welcome stage. So I hope you guys have had a fantastic Mother's Day so far and that you will insist that your husbands continue to wait on you hand and foot for the rest of the day. And only one who doesn't have a wife can say that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we can be here this morning. Lord, thank you that in you we can stand. Lord, that in you we can stand with firm feet planted on the rock. Lord, thank you that your promises are good and true. That as we look through the history of your dealing with humanity, we see time and again how you have spoken and what you said has happened. Lord, thank you that you are for us. It's been so good just to hear the reflections of a couple of people this morning on, on how you continue to be good, even to the point of, of a house being provided. Lord, and, and just a reflection, surely God is good to those who love him. Lord, as we turn and we look at this issue of spiritual warfare, I just pray that you would give us wisdom and insight. Lord, give us brave hearts and strong feet and absolute assurance in your strength, in your might, and in your victory which you have won. Lord, I just pray that if any of us this morning have come here with a sense of disillusionment, I pray that you would lift that. Lord, if anyone is here this morning feeling unwell, I pray that you would lift that. Lord, if, if anyone this morning is here thinking, I don't want to hear about this, I pray that you would lift that. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are in our midst. Thank you that you are powerful, that you are good. Holy Spirit, I just ask that, that the words that I'm about to say would would be more than just the words from my mouth, but would honestly reflect something of the truth that you have shown us about Jesus and about the Father. Amen. One of my favorite stories about how gullible English people can be is the story of the War of the Worlds radio play. You guys remember that story? Where they announced it over the radio, these aliens have landed and the country went into a panic? crazy. Only British people can do something like that. Aliens have landed. I haven't actually seen them, but I'll panic anyway. But I wonder sometimes whether we don't treat spiritual warfare and the whole demonic thing as kind of a, a similar joke. I've, I've met Christians who, who span the gamut of, of reacting to spiritual matters. I know Christians who just sort of, pff, pathetic joke. We don't have demon possession these days. The devil's a defeated foe. Just ignore him. And I've met other people who are very strongly got to cast out the spirits from this piece of land in which we sit. And I'm going to suggest to you that, that neither of those approaches is entirely accurate or true. And yet they're both Right. <laughs> so let's explore this topic uh, of, of spiritual warfare. And it's, it is the classic 
uh, passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 8, uh, 10 to, to 20. I guess if we want to draw an analogy to what Paul is doing here, think Braveheart, as he's sort of rallying the troops right at the end. Think any war movie as the general just encourages his troops before the battle. That's what Paul is doing right here. He's saying, people, I want you to, to stand ready and prepared because the battle is on. And I wonder sometimes whether people would be surprised that we would dare to speak in the church of spiritual warfare, of any kind of warfare. I mean, Christians are nice people, aren't they? They're friendly people. They're not going to do anything nasty. I hope. Some of you are laughing. That's not good. <laughs> it isn't, isn't knowing Jesus this kind of universal ointment that makes all things better? Is your life unhappy? Have some Jesus. Are you slightly depressed? Take one Jesus in the morning. I'm exaggerating, of course. But you know the picture that we get in the Bible? Yes, Jesus is the answer to all that we need. But the Christian life is a life of participation in the greatest battle that ever has and ever will go down. You and I sitting here this morning, standing up the front, are warriors in the army of God. It's a good thing to say to yourself when you wake up in the morning, I am a warrior in God's army. Don't be a warrior, as in W-O-R, be a warrior. And with my accent, you don't know which one I just said. <laughs> Are there demonic forces at work? Let's just have a, a straw poll. Who thinks that there are demonic forces at work in the world, in Western Australia, right now, today? Well, that's good. I can go home now. Sort it. We don't always know how to cope with them. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do think that today, particularly in the Western world, um, we're at a stage where Satan's primary goal is to, to paint the picture. I just get enough people to think that there is no such thing really as me or spiritual influences for evil. I reckon you go outside the church and a lot of people will say, rubbish. There are no demons. There is no devil. But there is, and he's got a goal plan. And I want to read to you, uh, John Stott says, the devil's plan is God's plan to create a new society. Then the hostile spiritual forces will do their utmost to destroy it. Has God, through Jesus, broken the dividing walls between humans of different races and cultures? Then the devil, through his emissaries, will strive to rebuild them.
Does God intend his reconciled and redeemed people to live together in harmony and purity? Then the powers of hell will scatter among them the seeds of discord and sin. So I think right at the start, as we look at this issue of spiritual warfare, we've got to say, where is the battleground? The battleground is here. What Satan wants to do is to undo what God wants to do. God says, I'm making a new humanity. I'm making all things new. And Satan says, well, I will make sure that things continue rotten. God says, I'm joining people together into one new people, my people. And Satan says, I will bring division and discord and disharmony. God says, I will build up. Satan says, I'm good at breaking down. And so we should leave here with fear and trembling. Can I have an amen? Don't say, you guys always say amen when I ask for it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, if, if you watch shows like Star Wars, I'm sorry, I watch Star Wars. Forgive me. Um, the Force in Star Wars, we've got the dark side. I am your father. And you've got the light side of the force. And the whole story of Star Wars is that the light the, and the dark, the good and the bad, need to find balance. <laughs> Makes for a nice story, but that's not how the world really works. What we've got to remember is that in reality, God is God, and God is the only God, and therefore good and rightness outweighs all other things. Yes, Satan, the devil, stands in opposition to God, but it's like a fly trying to push a car down the freeway. Do we need to fear Satan? No. Can we ignore Satan? No. Because <laughs> although God is God, and Satan's not, neither are we. Let's move on. What does Paul say to us here in chapter 6 of Ephesians? He's been writing this letter. He's been saying to them, I want you guys to live such good lives among the people. I want you to, to live out of the power of Christ who is in you and you are in Christ. And he comes here right towards the end and he says a final word. Another way of putting that is, is from this point onwards, as you live your lives, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. It says Paul, what I want to, I want you guys to remember as you go through your lives, as you live out for Christ in this world, the thing that you need the most of all is to be strong. And by the way, your strength is totally inadequate. Satan might be a fly pushing against the windscreen, but you're just a maggot. Very nice maggot, some of us, but still. Says Paul, know the strength of God. Be strengthened. Seek that strength. And I love the fact that he says to us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
because it's not an automatic thing that, that we know God and suddenly we're strong. Yeah, the strength is God's, but, but we have to, we have to go to God and be strong in Him. We have to be strengthened in the Lord. One of the reasons why it's so important to, to spend time in His Word, to spend time with, with the fellowship of the saints, because there it is that we look to one another and encourage one another to find our strength in the Lord. It says, Paul, in this battlefield you need to be strong and you need to look to God. Because, verse 12, there is a struggle on. There's a wrestling match. There's a fight. There's a battle against the forces arrayed against God. Against. Paul repeats a lot of words in the passage that we read. Can can anyone think there's two words that he repeats most of all? Did anybody pick them up? No? (laughs) Against is the first one. I'll tell you the other one just now. Listen to what it says. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, if you read that, it sounds like he's just sort of being superfluous with his words. Couldn't he just say, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, we are fighting against uh, rulers and authorities uh, and powers and evil spirits. And yet Paul goes out and he deliberately says we are fighting against rulers, against authorities, against powers, against the spirits, against us. What Paul is doing is saying, hey guys, in fact you haven't got it, we are really up against it. These powers stand opposed to us. There is a mighty struggle on. I don't know how often we we think about that. There is a mighty struggle on. And you and I are part of it. It sounds almost sort of arrogant for me to think that. When I struggle with temptation or whatever, when you struggle with whatever you struggle with, Do you realize that we are part of a bigger battle? In the heavenly realms, against the dark forces? And they are miffed. (laughs) We are here because of that cross. And we know that on The day that Jesus died and rose again, the victory was won against Satan and against all of his minions. And we know that the victory has definitely happened and that we are just waiting for Jesus to return to to bring it to total fruition. And right now, those forces that stood against Jesus and hung him on the cross and thought they had won... 
boy, they're angry. Because the gospel is now spreading into this dark world that has been shrouded for millennia. And there is some light coming in there. And where the gospel goes, it spreads. And, 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 and the darkness diminishes. And their, their authority and their power is, is diminished. And, 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 it, and they, they are losing ground. That's good. It's amen. Revelation's got this picture of the devil chasing the church, wanting to destroy her, devour her, and failing. But that is where we're at at the moment. Satan is angry that Jesus has won, and he just wants to spoil it as much as he possibly can. This is hard stuff to preach. But it's exciting stuff that we have already won. What does Paul say? He says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against these evil spirits in the heavenly places. We need to put on all the armor of God, verse 11, so that we will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Some translations will have, we need to be able to stand firm against all of the wiles, schemes of the devil. Now sometimes the devil attacks us full on, and we see things like demon possession in the New Testament Gospels, and and that is a full-on demonic attack. And it still happens in the world uh, today. But for the most part... Satan is a schemer, a whisperer, his very name, the the accuser. And he uses tricks to get at us. Very good at mixing a little bit of untruth with the truth. Remember in the Garden of Eden, you will not surely die if you eat the fruit. He's good at quoting scripture, old Satan. Remember, as Jesus was being tempted, he says, well, well God says that he'll, he'll give you angels to lift you up, so let's test him. Jump. Great scripture. Bad quotation. The devil masquerades as an angel of light. A sheep and a wolf in sheep's clothing. The devil counterfeits God. You remember, oh, what are their names? Jambra and something else. The, the magicians in Egypt when, um, when Moses was there. And as Moses threw down his stick, it became a snake. But the magicians were able to do the same thing. There is the power of Satan trying to counterfeit God. I love the fact that Moses' snake eats up the snakes of the magicians. Counterfeits are always inferior products. And I think Satan's, as I've already mentioned, one of his great ruses is convincing people that he doesn't really exist. Or else, as C.S. Lewis puts it, giving us this, this wonderful picture of a little red devil with horns on his head, comical devil, and saying, you don't believe in something like that, do you? <laughs> 
Satan is a ruse man. And because of this, says Paul to us, I want you guys to not be unaware. I want you to stand. That's the other word which, which he repeats four times. Four times he says, against, 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 against. Four times he says, I want you to stand. And when you've done everything else, I want you to stand. Put on the armor so that you can stand. And in the end, stand. Stand. Because a wobbly Christian falls over quite quickly. Stand. It's not good battle strategy, is it? Men, today we're going out against a fearsome enemy who has decided to destroy you. Uh, If he can, he is out to get you. He wants to separate you from the love of Christ. Therefore, stand. Stand. Just stand. Because it's not like you have to go and beat him. It's not like Satan is there going, Oh, I'm so afraid Nicholas is going to come and beat me today. No, says Paul, just stand because the victory is won. James, at chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourself to the Lord and, and stand against the devil. Resist the devil and he will run away from you. Isn't that fantastic? Says Paul, stand. You're dressed in this armor. You're ready to defend yourself against the devil. Stand and he can do nothing against you. In fact, he's going to run away. I'll throw a few darts, but it's going to run. Says Paul, stand. But just don't don't just stand there in your pajamas. You've just got up, so we'll stand like this. Says Paul, no. If you're going to stand, dress for the occasion. Put on the armor of God. Put on the armor that comes from God. Put on the new self that you have been given in Christ. Put it on. They say that clothes maketh the man. Armor maketh the Christian. Says Paul, let your your very self be shaped by truth and righteousness and salvation and the gospel of peace. And as you stand there, dressed like this, what weapon formed against you can prosper. So what does he say? He says here, let's put on this heavenly armor. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. How do we resist the enemy in the time of evil? We stand. Dressed for the occasion. After battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Kind of giving us something there, isn't he? Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Belt of truth. 
I don't, I don't think there's any like strong link. The belt is this because the belt has got the buckles. And I don't know. Paul, at this time when he was writing this, was probably chained in prison by the wrist to a soldier. And he's looking at the soldier going, yeah, yeah. there's some nice parallels there. Look at that belt. The, what, what is the thing which keeps the Christian going? Well, it's the truth. And there's two sides of this. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the, 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 the first thing you need in the battle is to know the truth. You see, one of the great ploys of Satan is to try and convince us that the truth is a lie. And says, Paul, the first thing you need before anything else, you need to know the truth. So when Satan says God doesn't like you enough, I know the truth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And when we put on the truth, it's not just a head knowledge. It's also saying, I will live out of the truth. God says, I need not fear, therefore I will not fear. God says, if you stand, the devil will flee, therefore I will stand. I know the truth and I will live out of that. And I'll put on the body armor of righteousness. Uh, the, the old translations, the breastplate of righteousness. It's it's a quote from Isaiah 59, 17, where God himself is putting on this body armor of righteousness, going out in judgment against the world as the righteous, holy one. And I think Paul is saying to us here, when you stand against the evil one, do so in the very armor of God. Not, not that you are perfectly righteous and holy and all of that, but but be imitators of God. He said that in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Be imitators of God. And just think about it. What is it that is our one defense against Satan? Satan's job is to accuse us is to say, Joe Bloggs does not deserve your love. Because Joe Bloggs has lied, has cheated, has done this, has done that, has done the next thing. He's a scumbag. Insert your name for Joe Bloggs. But the armor of righteousness... God's righteousness, by which we can say it is, it is not my self, but it is Christ in me. And it is I in Christ, myself within the righteousness of Christ, and nothing, nothing can accuse us. Who shall accuse those who are in Christ? The price has been paid. We wouldn't stand without this body armor of righteousness. We wouldn't stand firm if we didn't have good shoes. Feet shod. Prepared for the gospel of peace.
alert, ready to go. I love the paradox of this. Our armor is the gospel of peace and the willingness to tell others about it. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Telling others about Jesus is an act of warfare. Because it's an act of peace, saying. And Satan hates that. And then my favorite one, the shield of faith. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll have read this passage and going, these guys are nuts. How on earth does a shield put out a fiery dart or an arrow? Surely it just sticks into it and burns it all up. Not metal shields in those days. Um, basically, you'd have two pieces of wood. You'd cover it with some leather of some description. Put a piece of metal at the top and the bottom to hold it in. But uh, yay wide, well, yay wide, yay high. You dip it in water. And this literally was the case. If you've got a, a fiery arrow, which was the modus operandi of the day, they'd shoot arrows at you, put them on fire to make sure they killed you. One of those hit a damp wooden leather shield, the fire would go out. And Paul obviously picks up on this and says, yeah, you know what? Satan is out to throw darts at us, even as he runs away. And the shield by which these darts are not just deflected but extinguished and made null and void is faith. Now, is your faith strong enough? Can I have an amen? Oh, not again. <laughs> you know, it's part of that. Is, is our faith strong enough? But it's not about my faith to defend against the evil one. It's about the faithfulness of God. The Psalms say um, that God is a shield for those who take refuge in him. God is the faithful one. And there's this interplay of I trust in God and God protects me and somewhere in there there's faith. His faithfulness, my response of faith. Trusting. God's promises are true. I've got a, a book here that, that mentions some of the darts, that arrow, arrows that Satan throws. He says, maybe God is against you, not really for you. How can you believe that God is for you when you see the things that are happening in your life? I have accusations that I will bring against you because of your sins. What can you say in defense? Nothing. You can say you're forgiven, oh, but there's a payback day coming. Given your track record, what hope is there that God will forgive you again? Each of these accusations that Satan brings against us and all of the other ones, we can say, God has called me his child. I have citizenship in heaven. I am already forgiven. 
Throw your darts. They shall not reach me. Because I trust God. I know him who I have believed and am certain he is able to keep that which I have entrusted to him against that day. One of my favorite verses. A statement of faith. Of assertion. Of truth. Again, Isaiah 59, 7, the one where it speaks about God going out in judgment with his body armor of righteousness. It also speaks about God's helmet of salvation. And he says to us here, put on this helmet of salvation because as you stand, you know that you are saved. What can stand against you? Nothing. You've already got the helmet of salvation. You are saved. In Thessalonians, Paul says the helmet of the hope of salvation. As we stand, we say, I will not fear because I know He is coming, and I know that I will be with him when he comes. And Paul goes on and says, you're standing there right. Let's get out the weapon, the sword, which is the word of God. Everything else so far has been defensive. Now Paul says, we're going to take out the weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. How are you guys going with your Bible reading, by the way? Slowly, yeah, it gets like that, doesn't it? How are you going with Bible memorization? Even slower, me too. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, you, this is not the usual word for word of God. This is, this is another word. If you're interested, it's rhema. Uh, it, it means more like a saying. And yes, it, it speaks about the whole gospel. The gospel, the, the word of God, Jesus himself, is, is the sword of the Spirit. But think back to, to when Jesus was being tempted by Satan. Satan says to him, oh, you look a bit hungry, why don't we turn these rocks into bread? You remember how Jesus responds? Exactly, according to the scriptures. Satan takes him up to the highest point and says, I'll give you everything. What does Jesus answer? You shall not put your God to the test. You shall not. From where? From the scriptures. How did Jesus combat the temptations of Satan? From the scriptures. You know what? I've, I've seen, watched some TV shows where there have been exorcisms. And, and some dodgy ones and not the movies. I'm not talking the exorcist or something silly like that. But sometimes it just seems so contrived. What did Jesus do to combat the devil? He he spoke God's word against him. What did Jesus do when he cast out demons? He didn't say, right, let's sit down in a circle. He just said, out! And why could he do that? Because he is the word. 
The word made flesh uses the word, is the word, and Satan flees in horror. And says Paul to us, the one weapon we have, apart from the gospel of peace, is the Spirit of God, is the Word of God. You know, it's so important for us to to not just read the Word of God, but to let it soak into us and be part of us so that we will have an answer whenever somebody comes and, and asks us. The Word of God is our greatest defense. And it's the weapon which is even now making inroads through Uganda, through Bulgaria, through China, through right here. There's our armor. There we stand. But says Paul, there's just one thing you guys have to remember. I want you to stand. I want you to stand firm. I want you to be strong with the strength of the Lord and in his mighty power. And you're dressed and you're, you're ready to go, but let's go back to the be strong in his strength and his mighty power. Pray. The army of the Lord is the army of the prayers. Because the more we look to Christ, the more alert we are. Because the more we look to Christ, the more overjoyed we are in the victory which is assured. And the more stable we stand, the more we gaze towards him. And even Paul, writing in jail, there's ever a man who's got the armor on, it's Paul. <laughs> he says to them, pray for me. Because I need to be bold. You don't ask for boldness if you're feeling bold. Paul says, I'm feeling this. Pray for me. In fact, pray for all of the saints. You know those shields of faith? Interesting design. They're designed so that you can lock on, sort of cross over with the person next to you. And it doesn't come across in the modern English, but the three things that, that Paul tells us to do, to, to be strong, to stand, put on the armor they're all addressed to use all use put on the armor use be strong when I say use I mean you plural our firmest foundation in the battle against Satan which has already been won we just need to stand is Christ and his strength and his power. 
But next to that is the person sitting next to you, praying for you. Praying for you in your daily battles as part of the larger struggle. Encouraging you, holding you up, turning your face to Christ and saying, you can do it because he's already done it. Amen. He has.